The U.S. Food and Drug Administration Center for Drug Evaluation and Research is sponsoring a public workshop on rare disease advocacy Monday, October 30th at the FDA's White Oak Campus in Silver Springs, Maryland. This workshop builds upon previous CEDAR patient advocacy public workshops and is primarily for the rare disease community members to help them effectively understand FDA's needs for enhanced drug development. This workshop will include case studies demonstrating the beneficial overlap of effective advocacy techniques, and FDA regulations in rare disease drug development. The workshop is free, but you must register in advance to attend. The event is co-sponsored by Global Genes. To learn more or to register, go to globalgenes.org forward slash FDA workshop. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Rare disease caregivers are good at advocating for their family members, for research, and for the needs of rare disease patients broadly. What they often fail to do, though, is advocate for themselves. The National Alliance for Caregiving, in partnership with Global Genes, is in the midst of a -a first-of-a-kind study of rare disease caregivers to better understand the challenges they face and determine whether there are common issues they share that may warrant policy changes. We spoke to Grace Whiting, Interim CEO and Chief Operating Officer of the National Alliance for Caregiving, about the study, what the organizations are hoping to determine, and how the findings will be used. Grace, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're going to talk about caregivers in the rare disease community, the issues they face that may be different than other caregivers, and the first-of-its-kind study of these people that's underway right now. I think when people think of caregivers, in part because of the work your organization, the National Alliance of Caregiving has done with the Alzheimer's Association. They often think of adult children caring for an aging parent who's no longer able to care for themselves. What is the world of caregiving? Who falls under that term? And broadly speaking, who are caregivers? So really a caregiver is anyone who's providing unpaid care to a friend or family member who has difficulty with the activities of daily living. And that would be just sort of your basic everyday work that you might do. So maybe you get up, you get dressed, you um, eat, you go to the bathroom, and you, you know, you also have your regular activities. You might work or you might have, uh, you know, running get groceries, things like that. And so when you need help with those kind of things, that's where a caregiver comes into play. You're absolutely right. It's not just people who are caring for older adults, but also people who are caring across a lifespan. So you may be helping a child who needs help getting ready for school and can't get dressed, and so you're helping them with that. Um, it could be more intense than that. A lot of caregivers are actually doing medical nursing tasks to help someone with uh, their health care needs. And so there's a lot of different ways that caregiving happens and a lot of different conditions, not just things like dementia. You know, also mental health care is a big issue, cancer and chronic diseases in addition to rare diseases. And looking at the studies you've done in the past, what kinds of things have we learned about caregivers to date? 
one of the biggest things is that caregivers need help finding balance and they need interventions that can support them so that they can take care of their own needs, they can take care of other members of their family or other friends, they can have a career, and they can also um, look at the healthcare, you know, sort of being a partner of the person that needs help with their healthcare. And that's that last one, we really, it's, you know, we don't want to put that, that struggle on the caregiver and on the person who needs care we want the healthcare system to recognize that nobody is an island. And when you go in and you're receiving healthcare, you're doing that as part of a team and you have people who are helping you. And those people need training and accommodation in order to be good partners to care. Is there reason to believe that there are unique issues that rare disease caregivers face? How might they differ from, from other caregivers? Absolutely. Just based on my experiences interacting with the rare disease community, some of the unique issues I think that come up are that you see a lot more where siblings and maybe even children are helping to provide care. So there may be parents who are providing care to a child with a genetic condition, but there may also be secondary or other caregivers, siblings, cousins, and friends who are young who are providing care and they're balancing that against their own needs just growing up as children. I think the other thing that you see is people who have a rare disease and are caring for someone with a rare disease. They're both what we would call a patient and a caregiver. And I would say the third thing is there's just a lot of challenges in finding access to appropriate therapies when you have a rare disease. And so that makes it more difficult for caregivers to identify how they can help get access to treatment for the person they're caring for as well as managing just general uncertainty. You know, what's the what's the pathway of this disease? What's the future look like? And how do I manage grief that I may feel if the prognosis seems life-altering or even terminal? And I think that's something that a lot of people in the rare disease community struggle with that you don't always see in other disease states. We often think about the toll of rare diseases in terms of its effects on patients, but they can also place a big time, emotional, and, and financial burden on caregivers. What do we know about that so far? So we know, in, on average, caregivers are spending about 20 hours a week providing care. And they're doing medical nursing tasks, and they're also spending out-of-pocket to provide for the cost of care. So on top of whatever a patient might be spending, the caregivers coming out of pocket to provide help with transportation, you know, the cost of medication, lab tests, and other types of, uh, you know, medical needs that they may have. And there's also sort of a lost opportunity cost. So if you're a working caregiver and you have to take off time from work or adjust your work schedule, it not only affects your immediate income, but it might impact your own ability to retire or even your ability to grow in your current career. So those are some common challenges we know of, and there are solutions, but we haven't seen people addressing those solutions to the rare disease community. The National Alliance for Caregiving is currently conducting a survey of caregivers in the rare disease community. Why embark on this study? What is it, why does it matter? The rare disease community is really good at telling the story of individual diseases and the emotional impact that a rare disease can have, not just on the person who has it, but on the people who are around that person. What we want to do is really quantify 
those feelings, really articulate and describe for policymakers, people who are in charge of health plans and healthcare provider companies, as well as other persons of influence, what rare disease families are going through across the board, and raise awareness that people should be thinking about rare disease when they're creating services for family caregivers and not just assume automatically that the only caregivers who need services are people caring for someone who's older. How's the survey being conducted? So we're working with a research firm, Green Walden Associates, who's worked with us for 20 years to do research on family caregiving. And we've also partnered with Global Genes, the patient advocacy group in rare disease, to get the word out to individuals who want to participate. So what we're asking folks to do is to go to our website, caregiving.org backslash rare, and to take the survey link. And it's an anonymous survey. It takes about 20 minutes to complete, and the findings will be aggregated and shared in a report to Congress next February. What information are you seeking from caregivers? So some of the information is just background. You know, how old are you? What's your relationship to the person you care for? What fees? is the reason that requires care. And then we dig in a little bit more on some of the specifics of the rare disease experience. So, for example, we ask about interactions with clinical trials. We ask about difficulty in accessing care and how people are paying for care. And we also ask about how it impacts the individual who is doing the caring, their emotions, their finances, their work and career, or if they're a student, their school life. And then at the end of it, we've tried to end it on a positive note and ask people about what gives them hope when they think about the journey that they've been on caring for someone with a rare disease. We're really trying to capture and tell the story of this is the journey in rare disease and how it's different from other types of caregiving. And what are you ultimately hoping to determine? I would love to be able to sit down with a member of Congress or some of the federal agencies, such as the Department of Health and Human Services, or even the Department of Education, and say, you know, you may not be aware, but there are millions of people affected by rare disease. This is how rare disease families are affected. And here's some solutions that we think can help these families. We'd like you to think about implementing them. As you think back on the studies you've done on caregiving for people with Alzheimer's and, and other dementias, how has that changed the perception of caregivers? I think more and more people in the dementia community are starting to recognize caregivers as care partners and to think about how they can be a partner in the journey and everything from clinical trial all the way through the advanced stage of the illness. And I would say from a, from a big perspective, we've also seen the federal government start to notice the challenges facing caregivers through federal advisory boards and other national meetings. And so being able to have data we can point to that says, look, this isn't just, it is a soft thing, it is an emotional thing, it is a touchy-feely thing to be a caregiver, but there's also real hard data and science that shows that this has a real impact on our economy, our ability to function well in school, work, and the rest of our lives, and our own longevity. And so I think being able to point to that data um, and really foster that national conversation, that's just been really critical. Has it produced any concrete results from a policy point of view? Are there things that are currently being fought for that you're hoping to see changes occur? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on the Hill right now, there's several bills on family caregiving, that, and those have kind of popped up over the last five to ten years. And I think that's largely in response to being able to quantify the impact. The big exciting thing right now is to raise Family Caregivers Act, which would create a strategy across all diseases for family caregivers within CMS and HHS. So I think there is more and more attention and appetite for, for recognizing that caregiving is something we need to acknowledge and that there may be things we can do to improve the ability of caregivers to provide care and to enjoy the caregiving experience. Have you heard from the rare disease community about the need for any specific policy changes? I think from what the bulk of what we've heard so far, although the study will dig into this more, is that for many families, they either don't have access to a therapy and so they're interested in accelerated pathways, or they're looking at, um, from a care perspective of someone who's here and now, you know, what's the standard of care? Like, what am I supposed to do and how to, you know, what type of training can I get to help me care for this person? I think that's a major issue, especially among parents, um, but among all caregivers in rare disease. And I think the other side of this would be grief because there is both grieving for someone who has um, a challenging condition that alters the course of their lifespan, but even just grief when people are grappling with, you know, first might have a disability and they're concerned about loss of opportunity. And I think there's a lot that can be done there to educate people about even if you have a disability, you can live a full and wonderful life and you can do so as a family um, and to help caregivers understand that. Because, you know, one thing that strikes me about Global Teens is you meet these people who are living amazing lives with the rare disease and there's a caregiver standing next to them. And sometimes the person with the disease has a more positive outlook about the situation in the caregiver. And I think there's a lot we can do there to educate the caregiver and help improve that relationship between the two of them or between the group so that they can remember that there there are good things uh, everywhere and there are good things about the caregiving experience, but it helps to have someone support you, recognize what you're going through, and give you resources. I know we're nearing the end of the survey portion of the study, but What's the time frame? So the goal is to have the survey fielded um, and to have everybody get their responses in by October 31st. Now, we have a little bit of wiggle room, so if people really want to take the survey, they're welcome to reach out to me that first week of November. And then once we get all of the findings in, we're going to aggregate materials, write the report, and then our plan is to get it out and release for Rare Disease Week, the last week of February. And who are you hoping to get this report in the hands of? Definitely want to get it in the hands of NIH, but we would love to have members of Congress, particularly the Rare Disease Caucus and the Caregiving Caucus, to take a look at the report and think about how this might fold into other initiatives in the Hill related to caregiving, and then federal agencies to have some impact on how healthcare is delivered, as well as how you know, financial services and education is delivered so they can start thinking about ways to accommodate these kinds of families. How big a response have you gotten from the rare disease community and, and how much more participation are you seeking? So we're trying to get a 1,000 caregivers to participate, and we have 750. 
people who've already taken the study. So we are getting close, so close, um, but we could definitely use more folks who want to throw their hat in the ring and tell us what their experience is like. And what's, what's the case for people to participate in the study? What do they need to do to participate? So I think the case is, you know, this is where the caregivers front and center. We're asking about what they're going through, what they need, what would improve their lives. Um, and we particularly want to capture voices that haven't been captured. So men who are caregiving and maybe hadn't even realized that they were, or people who are from um, minority or, or ethnic backgrounds that maybe aren't always highlighted in this type of research, it would be great to get those perspectives. And, you know, I would just say it's, it's 15 to 20 minutes, but when you are part of it, you're part of this big national effort to highlight what caregivers really need. And why don't you give us the website once again? So it's www.caregiving.org backslash rare. Grace Whiting, Interim CEO and Chief Operating Officer of the National Alliance for Caregiving. Grace, thanks as always. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.